I'm from Crumlin in Dublin. Uh, my dad was a stone carver. We had a large family, there were 14 kids. A two-bedroom corporation house, so it wasn't luxurious. You walk out into a football stadium and it's yours, it's, it's a very strange feeling for someone like me who comes from uh, an ordinary working-class background. I think anyone who wouldn't like that feeling must be a little bit sold then. When you win, the buzz is probably one of the greatest buzzes you can ever get. When you lose, it's not like going down. It's, it's the lowest point. Saturday evening, 10 to 5. You haven't won. It's sick time. The buzz is back. We're all excited. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brunton Bugle, a podcast focusing on the trials and tribulations of Cali Night Football Club. From Chris Billy to Des Byrne and Paul Simpson to Brian Shelley, we've got it covered. This is episode five and it's our first match preview episode of the season. For this episode, I'm joined for the first time in our regular episodes by Mike Booth. Mike, football is finally back this weekend. First game since our last pre-season fixture against Liverpool and 23s. All doing the cup. Are you excited? Yeah, you know, it's, it's been months, hasn't it? So it's great to be finally back underway. Obviously, we haven't had a competitive fixture at all in that time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely hasn't been any. No. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's it's great to be underway. It'll be good to finally sort of see where we're at, really, because pre-season fixtures, they're not always the best barometer. Um, so it'd be nice. Competitive game to see where we're really at. I think especially this season as well, it, it's very different, isn't it? And we'll discuss it a bit more later, but Teams are coming back at totally different times in totally different sort of states of their squad and things like that. So it's it's really, really hard to judge. I mean, we comfortably, well, not comfortably, but we beat Wigan in a friendly game. But then obviously other games we've we've lost. So, you know, it, it shows that it's not quite as, as balanced as it normally is in pre-season, I guess. No, and I, I think as well, I, I mean, we're no exceptions to this. A few teams... The lack of sort of match fitness and that is really showing. I mean, we, we've had a few injuries, um, and I think players physically, we're not the only club who's in this situation. And I think it's, it, it is going to take a little while before physically teams are sort of able to handle the hustle and bustle of the season. But we've got quite a bit of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, so it's it's going to be a, a, a long slog. Yeah, definitely. We will, of course, be discussing the Olden game shortly. Um, but I think first up, we've got to we've got to start with a little bit of sad news, unfortunately, um, and that is, of course, the passing of former United owner John Courtney at the age of seventy. I was having a point with my next door neighbour, and Roddy came in with Caroline, and we got chatting. He was saying the potential was brilliant. He said that's for sale, isn't it? And that's exactly how he said that's for sale. And he just went into a little mind of his own, and just went took two pulls on a cigarette while we were still in a conversation. He went, he says, "I'll buy that." 
John will always be known as the man who saved the club from the never-ending spiral was the heading into at the end of the Knighton era, where there was a real possibility that the club might actually even go out of business. He was convinced to buy the club by his old friend and then United manager Roddy Collins after bumping into him back home in Dublin for a pint. Uh, well, he almost described that as the most expensive pint he ever bought. There was a stage towards the end of the 0102 season where it looked like actually the takeover was collapsing and it wasn't going to happen. And obviously Roddy was sacked at that point for speaking out against Knighton and Billy Bow was put in temporary charge. But eventually, John basically, the only way you can put it, he basically just forced Knighton out by giving him what he wanted and was able to wrestle the control of the club and reappoint Collins as manager. His two years in charge weren't the most successful and in fact obviously ended in relegation to the conference as it was then. But I don't think anyone could doubt his heart was in the right place and arguably it overruled his head at times. It should be remembered the challenges he faced, inheriting a much bigger debt than he first fought and the club still being in administration. And actually, we are still the only club that has gone through administration and paid 100% of the credited debts. And I think that's something that Courtney does, does deserve a lot of credit for. The foundations he put in place that in that final season helped towards the quick return from non-league and then subsequently winning the League 2 title the season after. Most fans remember him as a larger-than-life character, aware, with a way with words that would make Malcolm Tucker blush. But he always had time for fans and would buy everyone a pint at away games. A decent bloke who deserved a bit more luck as owner of the club. Yep, yeah, really sad news really, Mike, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, it's tragic. He was certainly the definition of a larger-than-life character. Um, and it, in my opinion, there wouldn't be a Carlisle United if it wasn't for him. You know, he really did save the club, like you're saying. He, he did put us on a, a solid foundation for Fred Story to come in and uh, sort of run the club more like a business, if you like. Um, I mean, yeah. Courtney, he did sort of throw money sort of willy-nilly about, which isn't always a bad thing as a fan. But, um, you know, some of the signings were uh, were questionable d- during that time. And I think his loyalty to uh, Roddy Collins was a bit um, stronger than maybe it should have been. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting. The last few days I've been watching back some of the Rod Squad episodes and he was clearly a man with ambition and clearly a man who um, wanted the club to do well. And you could see his heart was completely in the right place. But as you say, just he just had a little bit too much loyalty at the start maybe to Roddy. But it got to a point where even he realised that enough was enough and something had to change in that final season. It's weird because you forget he was only an owner for two seasons. It feels like it's a bit longer, but looking back, it was just those two seasons that he was in charge. It was interesting actually watching him as well. There was there's clips on the Rod Squad where he's looking through the message board. You look at some of the people he's talking to and you think, some of them are still posting there now. <laughs> some of them were having a bit of a go at him. And mm. There's a great clip of him. I think it's from, um, it's on the On The Ball uh, TV series. Uh, there was an ITV years ago. It was a little uh, feature on us in the season. We did go down when we were on a, we started to pick up some results. And he said we were the safest bet. In the uh, he did. He, he wasn't far off, you know. We we, we always <laughs> did it, but there's a great no. clip in there where basically a fan has a go, and he and you know some some owners will just sit there and take it. I used to see Michael Knight down the years sit there and take a lot of abuse. He stood up and gave it back both barrels to the lad. It was quite incredible to watch, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, re- really sort of sad news. It's kind of those ones you think if he'd maybe had a Simpson in charge a little bit sooner, things maybe would have been different. But then it might not. It might have been different in those circumstances. Mm. You never know. But it's, it's worth noting as well that the money he put in, I mean, you know, we've had other owners, sort of uh, Fred Story, mm. Andrew Jenkins, and the money they've put in is sort of been loans from their businesses or what have you. But the money that Courtney put in, that, that was just 
Well, he, there you go. He, he pretty much took nothing, didn't he, you when know. he sold the club? He pretty much let go for nothing. Mm. Um, we could get into a yeah. debate about the uh, the old uh, land issue um, and uh, certain <laughs> organisations. Well, let, let's just leave it there, shall we? Um, but, but yeah... It, <laughs> I met him a few times at games and genuinely found him a really good bloke to sit and talk with. Yeah, we had his very strong opinions on the game and stuff like that. Um, but but he, mm. you know what? It was just a good time. It, it sounds weird because we struggled in those two teams, but it was genuinely enjoyable time to go to games. It was There was a bit of excitement there, a little bit of a buzz, even if we were struggling. Whereas now, the last mm. few years, you can arguably, there's been nothing there really else there. We've discussed this before, that the buzz is almost sort of Gone at times, so it's yeah. Yeah, well, I think was there a game against Darlington where we got a massive gate under. Yeah, uh, well, that that's one of the ones actually that was on um, on the ball thing. I think it was twelve thousand, yeah. possibly maybe eight thousand, nine thousand. But obviously, yeah. opening day we got twelve thousand against we, um, Hartlepool just after he took over, um, and people are laughing. Oh no, we, no, we, we couldn't get that now. Thirteen thousand people pledged to go back if Knighton was gone. Twelve and a half thousand mm. turned up for that first game against Hartlepool. Within a couple of games, it dropped back to four and a half, five thousand. And I think Courtney always felt a little bit mm. let down by that, but that's the risk of believing mm. what you read in a petition, isn't it? Really, you, you, you just can't take that seriously mm. at times. But yeah, really sad news. Um, despite the fact that his two season charge weren't successful, I think he'll still be very fondly remembered by all Carlisle fans. So all we have to do is sign off there and say, "Go well, JC." Yeah, definitely. Just stand by, you know, people got to know me from being in the B, whatever than that, that's you, Betty. I love my old sing song. Can I just stand them out with Stand Up for the Comrades? It's like everything else in life. What you put in is what you get out. You can't put in dampened work and expect to get a pound's worth out. If you put enough emotion into it and you're wrapped up in it enough, the rewards are much higher. The pain is much deeper, but the rewards are higher. It's, it's weird to sit here now and know that we've eventually achieved what we started to do in January. The day is the first of the best. We'll be okay. It seems I'm too fat and old to play now. I mean, I can't think of anything better than to, to own your own club. Okay, Mike, let's get stuck into the main part of the show now. First up, we have a general roundup of some of the news that's happened over the last few weeks or so. So let's get started first with uh, signings. So since the last episode, we've had two more new signings. They never stop really, do they? It's uh, up to 13 now. No, but neither, um, neither of them were Jamie Davitt, but you know. But. No, no. Let, let, let's. I was going to say, could we get through an episode without mentioning Jamie <laughs> Davitt? Probably not right now, and probably right to mention him because it is what well, seems to be heating up or it needs to be resolved mm. sooner or later. But anyway, let's move on to the ones who have signed. <laughs> so, first up is a familiar face, and again, not the familiar face of Jamie Devitt. It's a goalkeeper, Marcus Dewhurst. He's arrived on a half season loan from Sheffield United to cover the long term injury to Magnus Norman, the new signing. Um, doesn't seem to be much of an update in terms of what Norman's injury is just yet. But um, it's interesting because we, we, we thought Dewhurst would just come back automatically anyway, didn't we really? There was a feeling the reason he's being brought on loan is to get him ready to come back next season. But obviously it's, it's happened in the end, but just not not in the way we expected. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird one because obviously we had three keepers in the running last yeah. season, which is a bit weird. And 
you know, I, I think I don't even think Jewess was on the bench, was he? I, I think. think he made the bench twice. I think towards the end, of it, yeah. maybe two or three times, because um, Louis Gray went out to Chester yeah, at the end Chester. of February. I think so. Mm. Maybe a couple of games he was on the bench for, possibly. Um, yeah, but I think Beach said that Jewess would have. Yeah, he did. If, he would have made his debut. Yeah. Yeah. If you know, obviously the world didn't. Um, <laughs> go down the pan, but yeah, um, yeah. So uh, obviously, you know, they've had a good look at him last season. They know what he's about. It's not sort of a, a panic sign yeah. as you sometimes get if a keeper gets yeah. an injury. So yeah. You know. um, so just a little update on what he's done in his career. He previously had loan spells at Gainsborough Trinity and Guiseley. I think he's very well thought of at Guiseley. Actually, I think I was watching on YouTube a few clips of some of his saves he makes. I mean, he's he's clearly a talented lad, and he's he's played for the England youth side. So he's an England under nineteen international currently. And actually, here's something that some fans might not know: he's actually scored a goal for the England youth sides. Um, a late equaliser in the. The 85th minute, now that sounds a bit weird, but I understand that at the level he was playing at, the matches were only 40 minutes in each half. So uh, 80 plus 5 was injury time. But yeah, he's got an injury time equaliser for an England youth side uh, against Spain, of all teams. So yeah, he's, <laughs> he's got a, he's got a bit of ability in both boxes by possibly, possibly there. So you never know, we might get to see that at some point. Um, <laughs> probably not. Uh, the next signing... Um, one that I think we've expected for a couple of weeks since he came in on trial is Dean Furman. Uh, South African international with 54 caps. He's also captained his country. He spent the last five seasons at Supersport United in the South African Premier Division, winning the Nedbank Cup twice and the MTN8 Cup once. I have no idea what those competitions are <laughs> and what format they have. Uh, I'm sure we'll probably have, based on the Cal uh, United Facebook page, we're probably going to have a, an influx of South African listeners to the show now. He will no doubt be emailing me to correct me on uh, my terminology with South African football. But um, And for disrespecting the what Jim McCall it Cup. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> obviously telling me what Dean Furman's nickname is in uh, over in South Africa. I can't remember what it was now. It was some, some weird word, wasn't it? But anyway. Um, so yeah, obviously previously at Rangers, Bradford, Oldham and Doncaster. Uh, nice experience head to short the midfield. A bit of a rarity here. He's a Jewish footballer. There's not many of them about. I think it's Joe Jacobson. I think at um, uh, Wickham Wanderers is the only one I can think of in the English leagues. It's an interesting one, that. But yeah, I, I think once he gets himself fit, he could be a really good signing for us. Yeah, I think so. You know, he's, he's an experienced head. Um, obviously, we, we kind of lost that in midfield when Mike Jones went. And I think there's a good case to say that Furman's an upgrade yeah. on Mike Jones. No disrespect. Oh, no, definitely not. No disrespect to Mike no. Jones whatsoever, but... Um, you know, I, th- I think he's, you know, he's got God knows how many caps for South Africa as well, uh, playing against, you know, top, top players. Um, so yeah, he, he should be a really good sign. And obviously we, we do have a, a young squad, so it's nice to have a sort of old experienced head for them. Yeah. To sort of I said 54 caps for it's actually 56. I just double checked then. I knew I kept, kept mixing the two up when I was uh, doing the planning for this episode and still managed to get it wrong. Well, actually... It, What's the deal with the African Cup of Nations? Oh, Will we? It's a good question. Actually, we'll have to have a look that? and see whether it because mm. they did shift it to the summer, didn't they? Or they were going to shift it to the summer. I'm sure, but I don't mm. know if that actually happened. But it's an interesting point, though. We might we might well end up a. I don't know how, if he's even been called up that much lately. I know he got four or five caps last year. I think so. You you never know with that one. It'll be interesting to see whether they they think mm. he's playing at a good enough level to be a. Representing South Africa now, we'd be good if we could get another play with a few caps under his belt. But yeah, so Dean Furman yeah. signed up. Um, so we're in a not too bad a position, really, are we? I think the squad's looking pretty settled now. 
I know, I know we keep saying this, but just lacking that attacking midfielder, really, aren't we? That's the only place we need mm. to fill, and we, we will keep banging the Devitt drum, but that, that one needs to be <laughs> resolved at some point in the near future, really, doesn't it? Otherwise, we're just going to have this situation where it's going to drag on and the start of the season's going to come and we're going to play well in games, but we're just not going to be able to unlock the door, will we, the defences? So. Yeah, and sort of like I sort of mentioned before with sort of injuries, it, it seems like, you know, the past couple of games, it's just, it's basically just been kids yeah. on the bench. And, you know, I don't know if, <laughs> if they're ready or not, but it's sort of, it is going to be a long slog this season and we just do need just maybe just that one or two more players just to pad the yeah, squad especially out a if they, bit. So we're going to move on to the next point now, obviously, if they're going to be looking to get some of the young players out on loan. Speaking of which, first-year mm. pros uh, Charlie Barnes and Liam Lightfoot, who are right back and defensive midfielder respectively, have both gone out on half-season loans to Kendall Town. Um, I think it's a pretty decent move for both of them. I think sometimes people sort of mock it a little bit when we send players out on loan clubs like this but it usually comes round about November December January and you start to think so if they're going out on loan there now they're probably not going to make it but mm. getting them out on a half season loan now gets them regular football keeps them in good shape and it's men's football as well you know, yeah. which isn't something they're overly used to yeah they're going there to be a general part of the squad rather than going there to maybe to fill a, a space brought by an injury to one of their normal players at uh, Kendall or whatever um but yeah, I think it's good that they've um, they've sorted that out nice and early, so they can get that half season in and get some regular games. They can still play in reserve games as well and friendly, so you know, they, they, and they will train on a day to day basis with the club. Mm. So yeah, I, I'm normally I'm a bit sort of skeptical when we send players out on loan to clubs like that, sort of halfway or towards the end of the season. For instance, Kieran Kerr last season when he went on loan, there was a thought he's not going to make it, is he? Clearly, they, mm. they just getting him out there so he can get himself sorted. This is getting them football so they can get themselves ready, hopefully, to push for a first-team place. But at the, at the same time, it maybe speaks highly of the lads who haven't been loaned out. In that, you know, uh, Beach obviously Possibly. wants them to be in and around the club. He's, he, he's, sort of, he's not afraid to loan young lads out. He's done that. But these lads who are still here maybe have something to offer. Well, obviously, you've got to remember the fact that he has to have one player who's been in our academy in the squad. Now... Mm. I don't know if Gavin Riley counts towards that because obviously he was in our academy up till the age of sixteen. I think Danny um, Granger counted as that via th- that. We rule. we had a we had a debate about this whether he did or not, and I can't remember if it was confirmed if he did. If Gavin Riley does, then it, to be honest, I'd be a little bit disappointed because it's a little mm. bit cheating, really, isn't it? You mm. want players who are coming through now to be in there, not players who came and sort of went before they even made it to mm. YTS level. Um, but it does seem like Taylor Charters is the, the choice for that position at the moment. You'd imagine Josh Dixon will be in contention once he gets himself fit towards the end of this month, hopefully. Mm. Um, so, yeah, good moves for those two. Um, another little bit of uh, young player news is obviously Lewis Bell, who signed a two-year pro deal with a one-year option for the club to extend. Uh, that doesn't start, though, till next summer. So, effectively, it's a three-year deal he's been given almost. Because um, if the club at any point think, this lad's good and we want to protect our asset here, they'll just extend it by that extra year. It's a very similar deal to what Jared Branthway had, actually, which does suggest that the club really do think quite highly of him. Yeah, uh, definitely. And, you know, because normally, obviously, these sort of uh, second-year scholars deals are done at the end of the season. And, obviously, they're doing it now. So, they obviously think very highly of him. Um, well, well, they've done a few of those in the last few years, haven't they, really? Yeah. Of the McCarran and Branthway are two examples. And they tried to do Galloway, but... He obviously decided he wanted to go elsewhere. Mm. 
But obviously, McCarran, Brantwaite, and Galloway all left for decent fees by all accounts. So, yeah. you know, hopefully, uh, you know, Bell is showing the promise that, that they've showed. Yeah, I mean, the, the academy is clearly in pretty decent shape at the moment, isn't it, when you look at it? Because ever since Kinder's come back, and I know yeah. there was a little bit before that as well with Darren Edmonton, to be fair, you've got to give him credit for that. Um, it does seem like we're getting players pushing towards the first team or at the very least making us a bit of money as well so and I think as well Beach has showed a win- willingness to sort of uh, willingness willingness to <laughs> give these to give these lads a go uh, uh, as I well which to, is to, good yeah I think both him and Prez actually I know some people don't like to give him credit I think both of them do deserve credit for the fact that they've looked at these young lads and said yeah let's give him a chance in the team and even actually you can even argue Sheridan as well he, he put McCarran into the first team so you uh-huh. know last few managers have certainly given those young lads a chance. Um, the one before, maybe not so much. <laughs> I think most people would say. I think mm. we all saw that article with uh, uh, Connor Hamill, who used to be part of our youth setup, and he um, wasn't overly complimentary about the way Curl treated the young prospects at the club, was he really? It was an no. interesting read. Um, I know people argue, well, he gave Dempsey a chance, but Dempsey was already in the team. It was a that was a just you know an obvious one. There was there was no doubt about that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, an interesting one. But yeah, good, good news to see Lewis getting a deal. I'd imagine if he's he's already been given a two year deal, we'll probably start to see him if he keeps progressing, pushing for a first team place some well, point well, this we, season. We don't have a ton of depth on the wings either. Um, no, it's true. So he probably will get his chance at some point. Yeah, you'd imagine so. I mean, similar to what happened with Brownfoot, really, isn't it? And mm. McCarran, I suppose, as well. So, yeah, good news to see that. Um, okay, that sort of transfer squaddy sort of news out of the way. Let's move on to the uh, fans at games and season tickets situation. So, let's discuss that a little bit now. So, we'll give you a quick update here. So, sales, last update we got from the club, from Nigel Clibbins, suggests sales are about 1,700, I think, was the number we saw. Mm. Um, it, it sounds like the club expected it to be down a little bit because... Some fans have contacted them and say, look, we're concerned. We don't feel comfortable going to games at the moment in the current situation, which is totally understandable because mm. I think we've said this before. We do have a bit of an ageing fan base and mm. there'll be people there who are in the vulnerable category thinking to themselves, I don't really want to be going out and risking it. And obviously the fact that the club said you've got to wear masks, there'll be people who will be against that and probably mm. won't want to go as well. So um, so not really surprised, but I think actually 1700 is a, a pretty decent turtles fan. There'll be people who can't afford to buy season tickets and there's probably be spaces now for them to buy tickets in advance for games. So, you know, it's, it's not too bad. Um, sounds like a lot of the seating areas are now filling up. The main stand sounds like it's pretty much done. Um, there's still space in the paddocks uh, at both ends. The centre bits are getting a bit full now as well. Uh, and in the Warwick Road end, there seems to be a lot of space. There's going to be no away fans, so we imagine the block in the east stand will be used for home fans potentially. Mm. And obviously there's the option for the waterworks if the club feels like we need it to get fans into games but interesting further development there obviously is the fact that the EFL announced I think it was yesterday that obviously which is Thursday you obviously don't know when we're recording it um that our game at Cambridge on the opening day of the league season next week will be a test event which will allow home fans to attend the game um so obviously as I mentioned there home fans only capacity will be capped at 2,500 which by my estimates is about 30 percent of their 8,200 capacity Abbey Stadium uh, big positive step, I suppose, Mike, isn't it? Really, we've we've sort of been waiting for something like this to be announced. Um, interesting that it's one of our games. It's one of the ones that's well, our game is the one that's been picked. 
Yeah, you know, I, I mean, to, to be honest, I wasn't expecting something so soon, um, which is, is, is really good. Um, obviously, if 30% is where they want to go, we're probably in a better position than most teams and that we could be getting gates potentially double what other teams are uh, what? are able to get. I think it's 5,400 is the... Mm. 30% of our capacity, which is below our average attendance the last few seasons. So, in theory, we should come to be getting fans in, especially as well when you consider that that would normally include away fans as well. And obviously, they won't be including that until we're back to full capacity, which we've been told. But we, I mean, we might even sort of sell more tickets in the fact that capacity is reduced and people think that, oh, I've got to get a ticket because it might sell out, you know, with it only been 5,000 odd capacity potentially. Um, but th- there was something floated around. Um, and I haven't seen anything concrete on it about, you, obviously it's home fans only, but there's something I heard about a hundred mile rule. You can't travel more than a hundred miles to go to the football. I would be incredibly annoyed if that is a rule because <laughs> I've done a, uh, the old uh, Google Maps radius thing. And my house is, I think, 102 miles away from Brunton Park. So uh, suffice to say, I heard that's absolute nonsense. Um I bought a season ticket and no one said I can't have it, so I will be going to the games. Um, That's one I think that was maybe mooted in the past, but I think it was Mm. sort of, I think people realised that actually fans don't necessarily live near their home Mm. grounds, so I think as long as you, I mean, I could could go up and visit relatives in Cumbria. Mm. What's the stop me? I can go and sit in a pub in Cumbria with Mm. relatives or friends. How's that different from going to the football? And as long as they follow the social distancing rules it's not really any different is it exactly I mean, it's, there's gonna be fans going into the pubs before games and gathering together so you know yeah. it's mad isn't it and, it and it seems weird that we're well within 100 miles of Tranmere, say yeah yeah so we could go there and watch a team that we don't support or i don't know but like i say i haven't seen anything concrete on it so hopefully it's all uh, a load of rubbish yeah, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that's absolute nonsense. Um, it was interesting to read uh, Clubbo's comments, wasn't it, about um, fans being back at games. He seemed to be hinting that they were aiming for the Barrow game, potentially. But actually, it could be even better than that. No, we've only got one game before that against Southend. So that suggested, potentially, we could be allowed back in for the first game of the season and get fans to every home game this season. Mm. would be an interesting development. Um, Which, again, not all teams will potentially get that, so... No, it's very true. So, so we'll be quite lucky if we do get that. Um, hopefully, we'll have a further update on that one soon, maybe early next week. We hope um, it'll be interesting because if they do say after our game at Cambridge, yes, home fans are allowed now. Well, the club have then only got a week to get season tickets sorted. <laughs> it's either, and I'd imagine they don't really want people collecting them because if you've got to go and collect your season ticket, then there's going to be queues on the days, and then you don't really mm. want people queuing anymore. So. I do wonder if maybe that Southland game will come just a little bit too soon. Mm. And maybe the Barrow game's a more sensible target. Or potentially a cup game. Obviously, and we'll get on to talking about the Carabao Cup shortly. Um, but yeah, it's it's encouraging news. Hopefully fans back at the game soon. Um, we'll just have to wait and see for now, won't we? Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's uh, rounded up all the news sort of stuff uh, for now. So let's move on to doing the match preview and um, we're going to obviously look ahead to this weekend's game against Oldham Athletic in the Carabao Cup you're a hero here because you got rid of Michael Knighton it's a, it's a fact yeah, but a pat on the back is six inches away from kicking the rear end so you can't take that too serious 
Okay, Mike, as we keep saying, first competitive game of the season uh, this weekend against Oldham Athletic in the Carabao Cup. Um, I suppose me and Dan discussed this on the show in previous episodes. Of all the sort of draws we could have had in this round, bear in mind fans can't attend, so home advantage probably isn't as big as it normally is. It's probably as good a game as we could have hoped for in this round, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, Oldham are still in a bit of a mess off the field. Um, they haven't really made any remarkable signings um, this summer. I mean, they signed that Cameron Borthwick-Jackson from Manchester United. Who, yeah. He, 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 was, uh, he had a few first-team games a, a few years yeah. ago. Yeah, I um, think it was one of those ones where they were just throwing players in the team at the time. Yeah. I'm not, not sure he was necessarily quite the standard, but yeah. that's what Manchester United do, isn't it? They just give, give lads a chance, I suppose, at times. Yeah, and they've signed a few uh, non-league players as well. Uh, and the one that stands out for me is Conor McElhenney from um, Fleetwood. I think he was at Everton, wasn't yeah. he? he was at Fleetwood. Um, he's always looked pretty decent when he's played against us in the millions of games we've played against them in various competitions, <laughs> some of which don't exist. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I sort of agree with you that off the field they're a little bit of a mess. So obviously last season they finished 19th, which was one place behind us in the table. Mm. Um Dino Marmaria was the uh, manager last season. Um, as much as we like to mock him at times, he actually did an all right job sort of stabilising them, I think, because they were a bit, a bit of a state when he came in. And they did okay from what I remember. But he was sacked as manager just, just before the start of pre-season in some, mm. for some bizarre reason. Possibly a little harsh. Um, replaced by Harry Kuehl. His managerial record is a little bit patchy, to say the least. Um, he was Watford under 23 coach, I think, for quite a long while. And then he got the job at Crawley. Seemed to do okay there, but then did the dirty on them to go to Notts County. Uh, and that was, to say the least, a bit of a disaster, wasn't it? Mm, but in fairness, I mean, a lot of managers have been a disaster at Notts County. So it's it's not yeah. a lot to to go by. But You wonder if it's not the managers at the disaster, but maybe the club there. Yeah. But it sounds like things they're in a bit of a better state now. But yeah, so an interesting appointment. He's one of those ones that, as a player, you never probably would have had him down as being a manager, would you really? No, not really, no. Um, he wasn't sort of the typical leader and, you know, sort of uh, that you, you would expect to go into management. But he, he's, he's kind of in a situation now where he needs to prove himself because, like yeah. you say, his record is flaky. He needs to get a club where that he can put on his CV and say, look what I did here kind of thing. Um, yeah. So yep. it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Yep. Well, their pre-season actually is a bit... We talk about them being a bit of a mess, but actually I was looking at their results. They're not done too bad, actually. Um, so they started out pre-season with a 3-3 draw against Accrington. Uh, they got a 3-2 win against Curzon Aston, which is a local non-league side in Manchester, I believe. Um, then they got a really impressive 2-0 win over Forest, and it was quite a strong Forest team. They obviously, as well arguably probably should be in better shape than Oldham because their season actually didn't finish that long ago did it um, mm. although it ended pretty badly from what I remember they uh, managed to blow a playoff mm. place on the last day so yeah that was a d- decent result for them they had, then had a 1-0 loss at Rochdale but then a 2-1 win over Lincoln so they've generally been playing teams from the higher divisions and the only one that's beat them is Rochdale so as we mentioned though at the start how much can you actually read into this? Because quite often these games are played at training grounds. So there's a different sort of tempo to them. Um, like I said, teams are in different states of fitness and mm. in terms of how they've returned and in terms of how they put their squads together. So it's a hard one to judge, but based solely on results, they're 
they're maybe doing a bit better than they probably would have expected. Yeah, I think so. And uh, like you say, you, you can't always judge a lot from uh, pre-season, obviously. But um, yeah, it'd be really interesting. And it'd be good to, for us to sort of set a marker over a team that was, uh, you know, like you say, they finished one place below us last season. If we can set a marker over them to sort of say, no, we're, we're better than, than last season, um, then it should be sort of set us up well going into the rest of the, the month. Yeah, you, you, you should hope so, really. When you, It's one of those games you look at, despite what I said there about them on good preseason, we should be looking to win it, really, realistically. Um, mm. And as you mentioned, they've always had issues off the field in the last few years. And I'm sure there's a couple of times last season where their players weren't paid at the end of the month. So mm. you wonder mm. as well, with no fans going to games, how long is that going to last? And, and I'm sure I read somewhere mm. as well, but I think they've been locked out of the you know that brand new stand that they've built that's top to the left of the uh, mm. away end as you look at it i'm sure they're locked out of that at the moment because they haven't been paying the rent or something but <laughs> it, 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 it's a bit of a bit of a basket case club really aren't they at, at times but as well without wanting to jinx things i think they have a, a terrible record well, in the league cup I'm first glad round you've teed well. that one up nicely there mate because i've got the stats <laughs> here their record in the league cup is pretty appalling to put it to say the least so, I mean, let's just look at last season for a start. So they were knocked out in the first round of the League Cup last year again by Blackburn Rovers. Um, they were winning that game going into the 90th minute 2-1 and they managed to lose 3-2 in normal time. Didn't go to extra time. Two goals in injury time and they were knocked out. The same night we were obviously beating Barnsley 3-0 in arguably the best performance under Stephen Presley. And uh, it's kind of weird when you look back at that and everyone's a bit optimistic after the game and it all came a bit crashing down really, didn't it? It was a bit... Bit, uh, mm. bit sad, but um, but yeah, but even going back over the ten years before last season, th- they've only made it past the first round on one occasion when they beat Wigan two one in the nineteen uh, sorry uh, nineteen uh, twenty sixteen seventeen season. Um, other than that, they've been beaten in the first round in every season, bar that one, which is quite incredible. Mm. Now that contrasts that to our record in the League Cup. We've only, in the same period, we've only failed to make it past the first round on three occasions, um, which were in 10-11, 14-15, where, let's be fair, we were a bit of a mess of a club that season, and the 18-19 mm. season as well. Uh, in that time, we've actually made it to the third round on three occasions as well. So we've got sort of the the form, if you want to put that way, the League Cup, but can you really judge it on that and especially in the current circumstances I don't think you can but but it's, it's no. just interesting to look at just how bad they are in the League Cup and how good we are it's one of those things we never used to be particularly great in cup competitions but round about when actually when Greg Abbott took over as manager wasn't it we suddenly started to take cups a little bit more seriously because we saw it as a good way of making money for the club and since then we we generally have done well in the League Cup and in the FA Cup as well yeah and so, yeah. for all his flaws Keith Curl pulled off some incredible cup results oh yeah he was, a, well. he was he was a really good cup manager for us to be fair mm. you know he got some great results in those games he he knew how to set us up against teams from higher divisions mm. when we needed to so yeah okay let's look at the team news um so Khan guy returns after missing a game that didn't actually happen um he apparently was suspended for a match i'm not sure what game that was yeah. uh but, but even even so, actually, he's back from injury, isn't he? Because he was, he was injured at the end of last season, obviously, in that mm. game against... Uh, I think was that a game against Newport, was it? I can't remember. Was it Forest Green? I, one I of the two. Remember. But he, he picked up a particularly bad injury. It was that, that long ago now. <laughs> it's mad. Um, 
So uh, you'd imagine Dean Furman might be pushing for a start in this game, wouldn't you, really? He came on as a sub, apparently, yeah. in a game that didn't happen. And, uh, <laughs> I, I think we should probably just say the Fleetwood game, shouldn't we, and just not, not really mention the competition. It'd be a bit easier. Yeah. But yeah, you'd imagine Dean Furman will be pushing for his first start against his old club. Other than that, you're obviously looking at Amari Patrick and Joshua Coyote probably coming a little bit too soon for those two, do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, um, Fingy uh, Torre's um, red card was lifted as well from that game, um, so he's uh, he's available. Um, is D- I think Dickinson's still injured, isn't he? Dickinson's still injured. We haven't had an update on it, but it doesn't exactly sound promising, does it? Because mm. the, the suggestions seem to be similar to Magnus Norman. It's a medium to long term, depending on how it's assessed. So it doesn't look likely that he'll be involved. Um, and you wonder whether that's where Beach might look at the loan market to bring in reinforcements because we could probably do with another wide player maybe to fill in yeah. there. Cause... We haven't really tapped into the loan market either. No, we, other than Dewhurst, obviously, to cover mm. for Norman and obviously Coyote, but we expected that one anyway, didn't mm. we? Um, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see whether he does dip into the market at some point in the next week or so. It doesn't look like he's going to have anyone in time to feature on the weekend unless he's... Uh, Doing a Keith Curl and keeping it quiet, a la <laughs> Matt Young and uh, who was it? Uh, what was his name? That um, the lad from Rochdale was it? Oh, no, it wasn't lad from Rochdale. It was the lad from oh from West Ham goalkeeper, Raphael Spiegel, wasn't it? Oh yeah. God, there, there was a yeah, there was a signing if you ever saw one. <laughs> um, brought brought in his cover with Dan Hanford left on the bench, and after two games, they brought Dan Hanford back in, <laughs> which says a lot, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Jack Armour, again, is unlikely to feature, and Josh Dixon is still working his way back to fitness after his long-term injury. I think the team, probably, the back back five, at least, picks itself, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know that it's going to be Farman in there. We've seen how good his kicking is from the games he's played so far. Um, your back four will probably be um, Tanner, Hayden, McDonald, and Anderton. I think that's just picking mm-hmm. itself at the moment. Sounds like Callum Guy is pretty much a shoe into playing games at the moment as well. He's done really well in pre-season. Possibly Furman as well, maybe. We'll start. Yeah, Divine, maybe. Uh, possibly Divine, although he was hooked at half-time in the last game, wasn't mm. he? So you never know. Maybe Mellish, obviously, is pushing for place, but mm. has, is he really doing enough to hold down a starting place? I'm not 100% convinced yet. Um, in the attacking positions, Coyote is obviously going to start if he's fit. Doesn't look likely, though. Riley. I, I, to be I think Riley Torre and Alessandro are going to be the front three again, just because mm. simply because they're the only ones available, mm. and the injuries are just stacking up a little bit at the moment, which mm. is a shame. It's not, not a bad front three, though. No, it's not. It's certainly not. But I, think, I, I am quite excited to see what it's going to be like when Patrick, Coyote, and Torre are all fit, because mm. that is a powerful, yeah, strong and fast, crea- creative front line. You know, they, 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 mm. they cause problems. They can take players on. They. I genuinely think it'll be exciting to see how they fit in. Um, interesting, mentioned Gavin Riley there. I understand the other night he started out in a wide position. I am really worried that's what's going to happen with him this season. Mm. I have this horrible feeling that we're going to end up wasting his talent, so to speak. He's not a wide player. He can probably play there and do an okay job, but he's one of those players when you look at him, play him down the middle, and you do need... <laughs> bring his name up again, you need a Devitt style player, someone who's going to mm. play the through ball for him to run onto and mm. take on plays, even if you knock it over the top maybe and get mm. him to chase because he's got pace and he can finish. 
you don't want him playing out wide. He's not going to be he's going to be solid there, but he's not going to really no. do much for you. And that that is my big worry that this seems to happen with players of us. We sign these players who are good in one position, but end up just sort of shoehorning them in somewhere else. Mm. But like I said earlier, we don't have a ton of depth out wide if uh, Riley isn't to play out wide. Sort of who's fit that can really, you know. True. Um, true. So you know, maybe when players are fitter, he might get a. Uh, you know, a few games more central. Yeah. Obviously, we, we didn't mention Joe Riley there as well, who, by all accounts, mm. did okay in that game the other day. That's going to melt poor James Phillips, Joe Riley, and Gavin Riley, I think. And Thurman and Farman <laughs> as well. Yeah. That's going to blow his mind, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I, I, I don't think there's many options really for Beach at the moment. I think the team mm. will pick itself by maybe one or two players. Maybe Mellish and Divine are the two that are probably potentially going to be unlucky if if Furman and uh, Guy come into the team possibly because mm. it sounds like Riley did well and he'll probably start again maybe mm. so it'll well, be interesting think, to see how we... there's no there's no shadow of a doubt that this is Beach's team now you know it's I think Mellish is yeah. the only player that was isn't his signing apart from obviously Hayden. Ones. And Hayden Aaron, Aaron Hayden as well but, but obviously he's extended the deals for these lads as well so yes you know, it's it's absolutely his team and it's his chance to sort of really yeah. prove himself. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's have a quick look at the Oldham team. Um, as I mentioned before, they've been quite busy in the transfer market over the last week or so, haven't they? Which, mm. for me, has a little bit shades of us last summer where we were sort of holding on, waiting and waiting and waiting and we finally made a scurry of signings about one or two weeks to go, didn't we? And mm. the result was <laughs> that the squad just didn't really knit for quite a while, did it really? Mm. Was it? It was a tough one, and it seems very similar with them. They signed midfielder Ben Garrity, who was previously at Warrington Town. Um, they signed him on half season, oh, sorry, a season-long loan from Blackpool, uh, alongside Jordan Barnett from Barnsley. Bit confusing there for you. Um, he signed on a half-season contract. I mean, he was released by Barnsley actually at the end of last season. Uh, and Callum Whelan on a two-year deal after his release from Watford. Uh, the other one that stands out for me. Uh, you've obviously mentioned uh, Cameron Boffwick Jackson from Manchester United mm. uh, is they've signed Bobby Grant on loan from Wrexham now he's a decent player he's, he's, he's always done well at this level but signing players on loan from National League sides mm. doesn't really fill you with confidence does it for a, for a new season no not really um, and you know well even you could argue signing players from teams that are in your league as well it's it's not sort of the most inspiring um, thing shall we say but I suppose these were unprecedented times and teams want to get players off the wage bill and this and that and the other. But yeah, like we sort of said earlier, they they don't really have any real inspiring signings, shall we say. Yeah, I mean, mean, the one that obviously stood out to us, we mentioned there, Conor McElhenney, decent enough forward, you know, he's a good target, man, he'll do a decent job. Mm. But his his record isn't brilliant though. It's not, it's not, but maybe goals-wise he's not going to get as many, but he might Mm. be a decent link player, I think, for everybody who's up with him. Um, Speaking of playing up there, obviously, they've got Danny Rowe that they signed from AFC Files earlier this year. Um, It's an interesting one. I've I've picked him out as their danger man, but I'll be honest with you, I've seen him play two or three times. I went to see AFC Files against FC United a few years ago, and I was not impressed with him at all. As an actual footballer, He's not particularly great. He, you know, he, he, he has good little spells, and he, I mean, look, his record speaks to itself. He scores goals. He scored three and ten after he signed for Oldham, but he doesn't. 
He looks a bit more like an old-fashioned League Two player rather than the, you know, your modern League Two players. They look in good shape, don't they? They, mm. they all look. They, when you look at the shape of them and you know their, their fitness levels, they don't look too different from a Premier League player or from a you know Championship player, do they? Mm. Whereas if you went back 20, 25 years, there was there was a clear difference. You know, you, you see a Warren Aspinall playing at our level, um, mm. and then you look up to the Premier League, chalk and cheese, really, wasn't it? Mm. He looks like a little bit of a throwback at times. Mm. He's got. Um, he, he's. Uh, I'm not saying he's fast. <laughs> I'm certainly not saying that. But he's a big lad. He's. He, you mm. know. He, he's got a bit of bulk about him. He. He can hold players off. To be fair, and he and he gets goals. But he's one of the ones a lot of Carla fans were calling for him to sign for us, or for us to sign for him. Mm. But I was never sold on it. Just from the few games I'd seen him play for file, I never thought he was a particularly great footballer. But no. obviously, he's got a full season now to play in the football league. I'm interested to see how he does for them. Well, he hasn't been banging them in, has he? Really, for ever since he signed for Oldham, three, three goals in ten appearances—not too bad, I suppose. Really, mm. no, it's, Could be it's worse. not awful. But um, no. they've also got uh, David Weeter as well, yes. who was a former Carlisle loan target. He was indeed back in the day. Mm. Never, never did sign those. Um, no. But he's a good experience head down at the back there, really, isn't he? When you when you think about it. Mm. So, so yeah, I think. I'm I'm not sure what to make of this one. I'm not... Prediction wise, what do you reckon? I honestly, it's so hard to call, and I, I'm kind of scared to um, put you know my head on the vice with a prediction because it really could go either way. But I'll be quite conservative, and I'll say two one, Carla. I was going to say two one as well, and I think it's going to be goals from ex Oldham player Luis Alessandra. I think he'll get one, and I think another goal for Toure is my predictions. Yeah. Not sure what you think. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go along with that. Well, maybe Dean Furman is the uh, former player with the goal because former mm. former players always seem to score against their they uh, do, they do. The clubs. But Harry McCurdy's nailed on to score against us for Port Vale. Well, well yeah, that, we'll, we'll come on to that one in a minute, actually, <laughs> funny enough. That's uh, one of the next ones I was going to discuss. Um, there's actually a couple more ex Oldham players in the squad, obviously. I think Rod McDonald as well. I think he started out at Oldham mm. as a youngster. So, we, effectively, we've potentially got a spine there of players down the middle mm. who are ex them <laughs> so interesting that um, okay so we're both going for 2-1 win to Carlisle we're both going to look really stupid on Monday aren't we, when, the, <laughs> when we discuss um, our disastrous 3-0 defeat as it no doubt will be but um, yeah hopefully we can get a result and get through it's interesting um, just before we finish off this section uh, just spotted this morning the EFL have announced the details for the round 2 and round 3 draws of the um, next round of the Carabao Cup so obviously the games are going to be happening on consecutive Wednesdays, aren't they? Or consecutive mm-hmm. weeks. The idea is also we're going to try and fit in as much as possible before the um, the actual proper season starts. Obviously they've got to cram stuff in simply because of the season starting later. Um, so we'll know on Sunday afternoon who we're playing in the next round if we get through. But then we'll also know who we're potentially going to play in the third round if we then get through that game. So... Well, it's a little bit different to what they normally do. It's almost like a, sort of the way they do tennis, isn't it? Where they do the whole draw at once. But um, hmm. yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, next round is Premier League teams coming, don't they? And mm. Normally, you desperately think, oh, I really want Newcastle away or I want, you know, Everton away or something like that. It's Premier League team's not in Europe, isn't it? Yeah, Premier League team's not in Europe. Sorry, mm. very correct there. Um, <laughs> normally, we're desperate for these games, aren't we? But... I'm just not as fussed because I can't go to them. I, I think we're nailed on to get Newcastle away and then in the absolutely. third round Manchester United away. Absolutely nailed on but we'll get those two. 
you know, in fact, it'd be incredible if we ended up getting getting through this round, getting to the third round and playing Manchester City at home, and they've signed Lionel Messi, and we don't get a chance <laughs> to see him play at Brunton Park. That would be absolutely typical, Carlo. That would be yeah. sod's law. Oh well, I think we've uh, done the Carabao Cup uh, preview now. There, Mike. So let's move on to the regular section we have on ex Carl United updates. So this is looking at players who've previously played for us or even coaching staff on management and what they're getting up to any of them in the news so let's start off with the first one um the man who we saw scored his first goal for the club didn't we last season because mm. uh, he signed for the club he scored against that's ryan loft he signed a, a two-year deal for scunthorpe united a uh, little bit of a surprise this one especially the length of the deal yeah you know i think his agent deserves credit for pulling that off um but he um he played very well against Scunthorpe, so maybe they're going off the back of that performance. Because he, he came on off the bench, didn't he, when we played them away, and he completely changed the game. Yeah, um, well, that, well, their managers, I think it's Neil Cox, isn't it? I think he's taken over. And I don't think he was there last season, but apparently he's been tracking Loft previously at his previous club he was at. So he clearly someone he, he rates. And I know a lot of fans have mocked, but I think in some of the games he showed signs that he could be a good player. Other games, not so much, maybe. He did. Um, he, just, he just didn't do it enough for me. No, you know, no. that, that, that he, was the thing. And he's at an age now. He's one of these players who's been sort of bandied around a couple of Premier League clubs in their under 23 sides. Mm. And you think to yourself, how, how are you actually developing as a footballer doing that? Mm. You have these little loan spells, but you're not a permanent player in those squads. So the, the, sometimes managers can be inclined to leave those players out, can't they? As mm. we've seen with obviously Presley and Beach. Um, and you think to yourself, you need to go out and join a proper club and actually play football. And it might be the making of him. He might go to Scunthorpe and start playing regular games and mm. find his, his sort of role in the team, I suppose. Um, I, I think I tend to agree. He's a bit quicker than you'd expect for the size of him. Probably doesn't win as much in the air as he should do, but mm. you know that's one of those things that sometimes you can coach into players. So, interesting one. Uh, we'll obviously get a very quick renewal. Uh, meet up again with him, won't we, at the end of mm. this month. I think we play Scunthorpe away, so mm. that'll be an interesting one. Uh, next up, two players who played for us quite a while ago, so it's a little bit of older news, this, but uh, Glenn Murray has joined Watford on a season-long loan and Adam Clayton has signed for Birmingham City. Murray just keeps on going, doesn't he? It's, it's, it's quite incredible. You never would have had him down as a Premier League player, I suppose, when he was with us. You could probably see him doing well, but maybe never that high. Yeah, I mean, he's never sort of depended on pace, has he? You know, no. So he's, he's more just been the sort of... He's a nuisance, isn't he? Yeah, exactly, and uh, I think he'll, he'll bang goals in the championship for Watford, uh, certainly. So uh, it's, a, it's a really smart signing by them, actually. I would say. Yeah, if I was a Watford fan, I'd be chuffed with that. Yeah, I think it's a really good one. And mm. Adam Clayton's a player who's done pretty well since he left us. Maybe just a little bit surprising that he never quite made it to the sort of Premier League. Did he? I think, was it, I think he was at Borough, wasn't he, when they got into the Premier League? But maybe didn't feature quite as much and. Yeah, interesting one, him him going to Birmingham. Um, yeah, he, he, he's had a solid sort of championship career because um, he, he was obviously a player that looked very good for us as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, he'll be a good sign for Birmingham as well. Yeah. Um, let's look at a couple of former trialists now. Uh, Junior Mondal, or Lewis uh, Scoble, as uh, Dan likes to call him, because that's his actual name, <laughs> has signed for AFC Filed after being released from his trial with us. And uh, it looks like Joe Fryer is set to sign for Swindon Town in League One. Good move for him. Not a massive surprise in Mondale. Never really quite got his chance, did he, with the injuries on in his trial. And probably National League North, a better level for him to get regular games and 
rebuild his career, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, obviously it's sort of two leagues below where he was uh, hoping to be playing. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, sort of his age, you just want to be playing football and prove yourself. Yeah, and obviously for Joe Fryer, um, he's had two years out with that horrendous leg break injury. Um, a chance to play at League One level Swindon Town. Difficult for him to turn down. Maybe one of those ones we might look back and think, should we maybe have taken the punt and signed him? Yeah, you know, it, it, it really could go either way, couldn't it? Um, hopefully he's sort of uh, recovered, not just physically, but mentally as well. It, it must be sort of quite daunting sort of going down to a striker's feet after what happened to him. Um, I still can't believe that crew player never got much in the way of a ban. Um, well, he, did, he got booked and that was it. And their yeah, manager, yeah. David Artell, kicked off about it at the time, saying, it's a disgrace, <laughs> he, he's broke his leg as well. So it doesn't matter if he's broke his leg as well. It's mm. a horrendous tackle. He mm. should have been sent off. Mm. But, exactly. You know, but, uh, I'm great uh, uh, about red cards from two years ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so so that, there you go. That's the two extra lists. Um Here's the one that you mentioned earlier, Mike. Harry McCurdy. So mm. reports suggest he is training with Port Vale. Um, interesting one. We know he actually lives down in Stoke, so or at least in the Stoke area, so it sort of makes sense for him to be sort of training with them. But it's interesting that he's only just turning up there now, right at the end of pre-season. doesn't suggest there's been many takers for him. And if you're a player of his ability, of his undoubted ability, if you're not getting clubs, that suggests that maybe there's an issue with your attitude that he's putting clubs off signing you, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I was quite disappointed that we didn't keep hold of him because he, he does have undoubted ability, but... Yeah, maybe we're not the only ones who have sort of had reservations about him. Well, it's interesting. I've been reading some comments from the Port Vale fans and their reaction to the potentially signing him is mixed, to say the least. Mm. Um, by all accounts, he played when he was on loan at Crewe from Aston Villa against mm. Port Vale in a game. And you'll be really shocked to hear this, Mike, but he spent a lot of his time winding up the Port Vale fans and <laughs> basically acting like a bit of a tit. So <laughs> genuinely, I was shocked and... Yeah, some of their fans are a bit like, do we really need a player like this with his attitude, with mm. the squad that John Askey's building there? And he does look like he's building a decent squad at Port Vale. He'll add a bit of flair to their team, but does he up- upset the apple car? That's the question with that one. I, I, think, I think he's one of them, though. If, if he's in a good team, like, you know, like every team needs a bit of a knobhead who winds opposition fans up. And yeah. if, he's in a good, if he's in a good team, you'd kind of love to have him. And if, if he's against you, you kind of, you know, you hate him kind of thing. Um, but, you know, he wasn't really in the best team for us last season. If he's if he's in a good team and things are going well, I think people will forget about his maybe uh, antics a little bit um, and just focus on his ability. Um, obviously, with us, he couldn't consistently do what he could do enough, maybe. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you could throw in a classic argument if, if he was consistently the player that we saw he could be, then he wouldn't be anywhere near Carlisle. But, um, you know, he, 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 you know, I, I, I quite liked him. Some of our fans didn't so much. Um, uh, hopefully, he'll sort of settle down and have a career in football, just I'm, not against us. I mean, there's, there's, there is an argument that he spent some of his time giving lip to the fans and complaining about them not getting behind the team and stuff. Is there an argument there that he may have had a slight point at times? Because mm. the atmosphere can be pretty rubbish at Brunton Park sometimes, and. Maybe Sometimes. he's used to being at clubs where they, you know, the atmosphere is being decent, and you know the fans are getting behind the team. And mm. maybe he didn't quite understand the the circumstances around the club and why fans weren't particularly happy at the time. Maybe that's where the problem comes from. But um, 
I suppose it doesn't help when he just bangs on about being a Chelsea fan all the time as well, which just yeah. drove a few people mad as well. Yeah, but and yeah. there's times when he, like, he was injured for us or whatever and he was just off down to watch Chelsea, which I know that you can stand in the, in the stands or sit in the stands and watch football when you're injured, but it's like it felt like he wasn't really sort of particularly committed to us, which no. I think got on some fans' backs a little bit. Which, you know, I, I think is it. I thought some fans have been a little bit too precious about that, if I'm honest. Mm. I mean, sometimes you need to wind your neck in a little bit and just say, whatever. But at the same time, maybe McCurdy needed to recognise that he was winding people up and just tone it down a little bit instead mm. of then going to make it worse. But hey-ho. But yeah, I'd imagine he'll probably end up signing for Paul Vale and scoring the winner against us. And Definitely. Giving it the old uh, finger to the lips. <laughs> Absolutely, no doubt he'll do that. In, mm. Hopefully, in front of a, an empty stadium, and he'll just have to do it to an empty <laughs> stand and look an absolute prat in the process. Um, yeah, other sort of ex players who've left us last season news: um, Jack Bridge, Southend still not decided whether they're going to sign him or not yet. Um, I'd imagine they're probably desperate for players, so I wouldn't be amazed if he did turn up there again. Um, other than that, I don't. I think some of the rest just haven't found clubs yet. Byron Webster, I'm still surprised he hasn't at least had, you know, national league clubs potentially mm. taking him on trial. But although their season's a bit further off, isn't it? So maybe that's the reason why they're not quite sorted. There um, is one one that you missed out, which is Quam Thomas signed for Wrexham. Kwame Thomas, yes, I thought about that. Yeah, he, I saw that actually the other day. Yeah, it's an interesting one that one. So yeah, that's that's in terms of uh, the players who left us last season covered. Uh, very briefly, we'll quickly touch on one of the local non-league sides in the FA Cup. Um, Penrith edged a thrilling tie against Pickering Town, 3-2. Um, some ex-Carlisle players were involved in that, uh, for both teams, actually, funny enough. So, um, Max Brown scored for the Bonnie Blues. Uh, they brought Sean Law, who's an ex-Carlisle youth player, off the bench. And uh, Jed Dalton as well. Do you remember him? That's going yeah. back quite a bit, isn't it? Was he, was he under Paul Simpson? He was in our squad. I think Neil MacDonald. Um, Neil MacDonald, you might be right there. That rings a bell. But yeah, Jed, Jed Dalton uh, featured for Pickering as well. So uh, congratulations to the Bonnie Blues who are through to the next round. Um, well, that FA Cup seems really cramped in. I've been looking at it and my word, they're, they're cramming a lot of fixtures in it before the, yeah. our rounds arrive. So be interested in that. Um, yeah, I think, Mike, that pretty much wraps up this episode. Um so thanks again for your time. So coming up next week, uh, Mike and I are going to be joined by Dan, aren't we, to uh, do a League 2 preview. Um, I think originally we were looking at doing it over four episodes. We've had a little rethink on that, haven't we? And we're yeah. probably going to do it over two now. So we're going to look at it team by team, and then we're going to make our predictions so you can mock us all next May <laughs> when they're completely and utterly wrong. Um, it's interesting, actually. I saw a stat the other day about uh, odd relegation odds from League Two over the last, I think, seven seasons, a team that's been priced 10 to 1 or more has gone down to mm. the conference in, I think, every one of the last seven seasons. So it's interesting. Like, not kind of with 50 to 1 when they went got relegated. Mm. So it does show, you know, you can have some unexpected results in there. Yeah, so you definitely. never know. You never know. Um, so, yeah, we'll be doing that. Um, if you've got any thoughts on the season ahead, just let us know on the usual places on Twitter, obviously, an email. Um I promise you, we will be doing the second part of the 05-06 season special soon. Mike, we need to find some time together when yeah. we can uh, sit down and do that one. Um, and also me and Dan are going to do one about kits as well. Uh, that that might be a little bit further off, but we will be doing that in the future. 
Um, so if you've got any comments or feedback or there's anything you'd like to suggest we discuss, please send them in via Twitter to at Brunton Bugle or by email to bruntonbugle at gmail.com. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast via all good podcast apps, including Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please do give us a review. We really appreciate the excellent feedback we've had so far. In fact, should, should we go and have a look, Mike, and see if we've got any new countries to tick off on our uh, <laughs> listening thing? I, I love doing this bit because you get some weird places. I've been talking to someone who apparently, I know that someone lives in Luxembourg and has been around parts of Europe with work or travelling and have been listening in different countries. So we've been able to tick a few more countries off thanks to that, basically. Let's have Hopefully a some more South African listeners. Oh, I, I hope so soon. South Africa is not on the list yet. That's disappointing. Come on, lads. Yeah. <laughs> You're letting the team down here. Chile is obviously on the list. We mentioned that one previously. The usual places, Netherlands, Norway, Canada, New Zealand, Denmark, Ireland, Australia, USA. Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, Germany obviously is in there as well. We've mentioned that before. Where have you got places, people listening in the United Kingdom? That's the question there. Let's have a look. Let's go and see some of the weird towns that are going to come up here. Carlisle's the most popular place. That's a shock. Mm-hmm. London, Dumfries, Liverpool are quite a few. Uh, Luton, Whitehaven, Workington, Cleeton Moor. All the places. All the places. We've got uh, Ashton under Hill, Ashton under Lyme, Ballymena, Banger, Barden Hill. All the places, Brighton, Baden, Leon C, basically everywhere. Everybody's listening to us. It's brilliant. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, we'll we'll try and maybe get an episode out on Monday, a little uh, brief one, just discussing uh, the weekend uh, win over Oldham, as I'm sure it will be. Um, but other than that, we'll obviously be doing the season previews next week and then a preview of the Cambridge game. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Up the blues and go well, everyone. I don't mind living life on the edge. I just don't want to die on the edge. Hand on heart, if you said to me, would you change it? No, I'd have done it again. Yeah, I would have done it again.